John the Viking Mauser here with the Get Strong or Die podcast. Today my guest is Chris Vaccio. How are you doing today? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. <clears throat> Very cool. <clears throat> so um, you're a busy guy. You have a lot of uh, things going on and, um, and all that, and we're going to get into that here shortly. But um, we want to know uh, what made... Chris Vaccio. How did how did you when did you first pick up a barbell? What what created the madness that is Chris Vaccio? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh geez, that and my uh, that was back. Gosh, when I was um, probably probably when I was around ten or eleven. Honestly, um, it was on one of those. Uh, the older guy will love this. Uh, it was, yeah, you because know, I think probably most most of the guys over forty um, started this way. It was on one of those old uh, shitty weeder, you know, with the sandfield sandfield plates, yeah, or concrete plates, whatever. Um, one of those old weeder sets. Uh, my dad got it for my brother. Well, my brother's about five years older than me, and um, so dad got him that thing when I was. Uh, I was into bike racing at the time. I was a BMX, BMX kid. And um, I just got the idea that it would make, it might make me better. I'm, you know, getting stronger. So I actually even wrote up like a little program that, and put like little bicycle, you know, like bicycle pedals next to the exercises that I thought would make me better you know, like racing bikes. So yeah, I started doing that. I mean, nothing... You know, nothing earth shaking, but yeah, I started, I started messing around with weights, you know, way back then, just with that, you know, weeder set in the basement that uh, almost died on that thing in my teens. <laughs> I tried to, I tried to bend everything we had, which um, was like, might have been about 175 pounds of myself. And yeah, me being, you know, I was, I was only like 150, 160 pounds, but me plus the plus the weight on that rickety ass bench, it damn thing damn near collapsed. I mean, I got it, I got the bar re-racked, and then it started pulling sideways, and the guy spotted me, he's holding on to the bench to keep it upright so I can get off of it and not die. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it was like the. You know the, the one inch, you know, like this one inch tubing. It was it was the biggest piece of crap. But yeah, that's so that's how I started in lifting. I mean, I I just kind of intuitively realized the benefit of it. Um, did uh, did a fair bit of lifting during um, during high school for wrestling. Uh, funny, yeah, me me being kind of a contrarian guy. So while all the other guys were hoarding around the bench, you know, trying to do their bench thing. I noticed that the squat rack was empty, so I just went over and squatted. And so all the other guys were fucking around on the bench, and I'm I'm overdoing squats. And, uh, I started my started my love of that sort of thing rather than just um, yeah. Oh, I can bench and I can curl. I started. I just I'm like, ah, screw you guys. I'm gonna go over here and squat. <laughs> so <laughs> that was always uh, yeah. That of course I mean I'm a built squatter, so. I was uh, I was pretty damn good at it. I was like, damn near everybody even when I was on that buck thirty. Yeah. So yeah, even the bigger guy. I'd, you know, whenever we have a group, that would go squat with the heavier guys just because none of the guys that were actually my size could even remotely group up. And uh, I think I was just, I got up to around. You know, I mean, as the 
this amp. I think I was squatting around 350, 350, you know, pretty solidly. By the time I got out of high school, so that wasn't, yeah, pretty little pitch squeak wasn't bad. <laughs> well, now, now most guys that I talked to, um, they squatted around six or seven hundred in high school, Chris. Yeah, and I noticed that too. Right? Everybody <laughs> else, everybody else that I talked to, yeah, they did that for reps, easy, you know. <laughs> but uh, hey, you know, I'll t- I'll take my little quickly three hundred, so yeah, three hundred <laughs> squat from that. <laughs> oh hell, <laughs> yes. So after uh, after that, um, my. Uh, I discovered pizza. And, uh, uh, I can't say I, I discovered pizza and ice cream really hardcore my freshman year at college. Okay. <laughs> so I went. I went from uh, uh, my uh, girl I was dating who would go on to be my ex-wife. Um, I'm going to refer to as my future ex-wife during that span. Um, <laughs> she she didn't want me working out anymore because I'd spent so much time wrestling. Yeah, working out for wrestling. So my freshman year of college, I, I went from you know, wrestling workouts and doing all kinds of stuff for that to doing nothing and eating a shitload of pizza and ice cream, which the net effect of that was like pulling a ripcord on an inflatable raft. Um, <laughs> I, you know, other people talk about gaining the freshman 15. I gained the freshman 80. I, I, I went from 160 pounds to 240 pounds. And it was, oh my God, it was a not pretty. And what's... what? Still makes me crack up to this day. So at 240 pounds, I wore uh, 44 inch waist pants. Right now at about 320, I wear 42 and they're loose. Oh wow! Yeah. So <laughs> I was. So what's that? That's uh, yeah, 80 pounds. I'm 80 pounds heavier, and I'm wearing smaller pants than I did at 240. So I was. Oh, I was just a miserable fat fuck. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that, that, so that, my freshman year, I pretty much took like just that whole year off of lifting or doing anything constructive. Um, you know, other than being my future ex's bitch. And uh, <laughs> finally, finally, I couldn't stand it anymore. I, I mean, I like we went clothes shopping because I had pretty much gone through everything I owned, I, everything I had, like. You know, it looked like it was painted on. Um, we went out clothes shopping and just seeing the stretch marks over and over again as I was trying on different clothes. I'm like, yeah, this guy, I got to do something. So got back into the gym, kind of started doing bodybuilding stuff around that era, and uh, did that for did that for pretty much until I got out of college. And um, it was uh, then I went. Uh, went to one of Dave Tate's first ever seminars that he put on for uh, his West Side seminars. And it might, might have been the first seminar that Dave did. And uh, went out to that. And part of that, you know, the second day was a um, uh, hands-on session at West Side. And uh, by that point, I had gotten down. I would back down to around two-something. And I was probably, I was probably in the 220, 230 range. And yeah, I had a pretty bad, I actually had, mild aspirations of doing a bodybuilding show until I remembered how much dieting sucks. <laughs> and uh, so I go, go into, and I'm, I'm seeing this guy over on the bench and he's probably, the guy's probably about a, you know, 160, 170 lifter. So, you know, I weigh the guy by like 50, 60 pounds. 
and he's using my Max on the bench for his speed work. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Okay, so at that point, I decided to work on actually getting strong. All right. And <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, kind of made the switch to powerlifting and did that did that till I was in my 30s off and on. Um, and then uh, when I was about uh, mid, uh, between the bodybuilding and the powerlifting, I had pretty much wrecked damn near everything, uh, particularly my shoulders and my elbows were just awful. And uh, so I still wanted to train. I wasn't going to do bodybuilding or powerlifting anymore. Damn sure wasn't doing bodybuilding. And one of the press, and I read that neutral grip pressing was better on your shoulders. So I went to the Arnold. Um, it was back in 2008, 2007, somewhere around there. And uh, I went to the Arnold, and um, I did. Uh, I was just looking around for neutral grip bars and just did different neutral grip stuff. And uh, Steve Slater happened to have a uh, um, have this log set up in one of the booths. He wasn't there, but then you know, I. I saw these logs, and I'm like, shit, that's neutral grip. It's cool. The guy's like 20 minutes from my house, so I don't have to pay shipping, which would make it like this, about the same as the Swiss bars. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, hell, oh, this is great. I'm going to get one of these. And, uh, so I went in, uh, put my down payment on the Slater log, and uh, when I did that, <clears throat> you know, Steve was like, well, hey, we train events every Saturday if you want to come out. And so I'm like, oh, all right, that sounds cool. And went out and uh, met him and his crew at the at his um, barn or shed or I mean, can't remember that warehouse. And um, that was that was hooked after that because it was just such a different experience for me compared to the bodybuilding world or the uh, powerlifting world. Um, just you know, <laughs> confusing yeah, because all these people are like trying to help, being nice. It wasn't like this big dick swinging match or anything like that. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty awesome. I had uh, I had a fun time, and it was uh, yes. Uh, there's this uh, uh, teenager. He's not a teen now, but uh, yeah, this lightweight teen named Tyler Nichols. I still joke with him about this because uh, yeah, my first day out there, he out he outpressed me on the walk. Uh, he he got like a 190 or a 200, and I hit like a 180, and like completely shit the better out 200. And so I, I was determined to come back just to outpress that little shit, because, because I, I couldn't I couldn't live with uh, you know being outpressed by a teenager or a little teenager at that point. So I'm like, all right, that's it. I got to come back and get better. <laughs> and you know, a little over ten years later, here we are. <laughs> now, it didn't take so, you, it didn't take you ten years to beat the teenager, did it? Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't remember when I caught him. But yeah, I didn't take long. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Um, I'm well past it, thanks. <laughs> so, so the real question from all of that is: Is when are we going to see Chris Vaccio back uh, into BMX? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! I mean, if they can come up with a bike that actually hold my big ass and a speed that wouldn't destroy my tank. Um, <laughs> Talk to some people. I don't know what the odds of either of those happening are. God, I can just imagine. I mean, because I remember um, when it rained, that was always the worst because your bike would sink down into the mud. I could just just imagine what the hell I'd do to a bike now. You know, how far I'd sink it up to the dam. Yeah. Sink it up to the hub. 
<laughs> so you're all you're probably you're around double twice as much body weight as then. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, actually, yeah, Max, I was only probably one twenty, one thirty back in those days. Yeah, and I, yeah, I am literally twice the man I used to be. I graduated high school at one sixty. Yeah. So that's. <laughs> <yeah, it's>, uh, <laughs> Makes it nice for like running into people from high school because if I didn't like them and don't want to talk to them, I don't have to because they don't recognize me because they, you know, look like I ate the person I was when I graduated. <laughs> so that's kind of nice. I'm like, oh yeah, I went to high school with that guy. And I'm not going to say shit. <laughs> I just look like some big freak to him. I don't look anything like what I used to. <laughs> so, did you grow up in? Um, Ohio and and where did you yep. where did you go to college at also in Ohio? Oh uh, yeah, also in Ohio. Yeah, I went uh, did a year at Ohio State and then decided that I didn't want to take um, like uh, fifty hours of math to get my computer degree. I'd already been programming quite a bit, um, so I knew damn well I didn't need calculus to write a computer program. Right, but the brain trust at Ohio State was convinced otherwise, and <clears throat> so I ended up switching to DeVry. And uh, did their three-year bachelor program. Still, still ended up with a net four years to get my bachelor's. But um, yeah, that's not yeah. bad. Uh, I think uh, most people now they say it, you know it's five years. <clears throat> so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I was I was bound and determined to get out before. I did not want to. I did not want to stick around. And um, yeah, do I? I mean, it just. It's weird. I like learning. I love learning, but I have never liked school. Right. <laughs> so I think I, I don't think that um, the educational, the educational, particularly if you're smart, um, the educational system is like fucking prison. Um, right. It's yeah because they they always slow things down to the to the lowest. Um, you know, to the, to the slowest learner. Right. And if you're at the fast end of the scale and you learn things quickly and process things quickly, you're sitting around putting your thumbs more often than not. Right. You kind of suck. And even in college, I did not, I didn't find college particularly difficult. I was bored most of the time. Um, I mean, hell, I got, uh, <laughs> I, I should have kept some of my, um, every, every semester at, uh, at um, DeVry, I got a letter saying that I had, missed um, like a high percentage of my classes because I just skip class I mean I, I'd yeah. read the syllabus and keep up on the work do my labs and show up on show up during tests and that was about it <clears throat> so I mean there, there was one there were a couple of classes I literally showed up five times because we had five exams and we had to find so I just showed up six times I showed up on day one got the syllabus and then I didn't show up again until the exams and uh, yeah, it's funny because you know, I got the you know, got the letter of hey, you missed you missed seventy five percent of your classes. And, you know, it's, there's a correlation between people who show up to class and actually do well. And I'm like, I've got a hundred percent of the class right now. I don't know how much better I'm going to do if I actually show up. <laughs> <laughs> you show up and you fail. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. I mean, I'd, I'd pop in every now and then. And, yeah. There were, there were a couple of like the only classes I actually showed up to um, were the ones. There were a couple of them that they had like a twenty percent twenty percent of your grade was your attendance, right. which I thought was a really dick move. But uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have shown up to those either. And actually, yeah, the professor made the error in judgment of saying you had to be there for the first fifteen minutes in order to get your 
credit for you know attending that day so yeah i'd walk in and then as soon as the clock hit 15 go ahead and hit the door yeah. <laughs> i always thought it was strange they they have those rules um you know, even when the where I was at college, they had the rules like <clears throat> if you miss so many days, like your percentage of your grade, blah blah blah. And uh, yeah. <clears throat> I always thought it was strange that they had to do that for people that wanted to be there and was paying to be there. And then I realized right. that most there's a lot of people there that don't want to be there, and mm-hmm. that somebody's forcing them to be there. And I thought maybe a better rule would be instead of making that part of their grade, do something to maybe vet your clientele a little better <laughs> well yeah yeah i mean yeah, that's i mean and that's the thing is like i i just didn't show up because i mean like there's one guy you know one of my instructors would literally sit there and read out of the book to us and i'm like well fuck i can read it myself right right i don't need you to read to me um so you know i stopped showing up after that and uh, uh you know there were you know quite a few of them that did that and so like i'd show up I didn't show up to class if I actually had a question about something or, uh, or how something was working or, um, you know, or I just pop into their office and ask them questions. Yeah. And, um, so the, uh, there were a couple of them that, like, uh, I had a history instructor and that dude was freaking brilliant. Um, and he would also do like all kinds of anecdotes and stuff like that. So, um, he just had, he made it everything really interesting. So he'd have like the main story and the lesson that he wanted to talk about, but then he'd have like three or four side stories that made it really interesting. And, um, and this guy could talk, he could do a two hour lecture without ever looking at a note. He'd just go and talk about it. Yeah. And it was great. So I actually, I showed up every day for his. Yeah. And made sure he had a, we had our five tests, you know, we had our four, four exams and a final exam and we had one drop. So I made sure to score high enough on the first four so that I didn't even have to take the final. And then I just, rather than taking notes and doing anything constructive during the last, you know, part of the semester, I just sat in the back of the class and enjoyed and listened to all the stories and had fun (laughs) since I knew I didn't have to take the final. Yeah. Oh, I've definitely had a similar experience. There was classes I skipped and classes I went to, and I was actually a history minor, so I went to. Um, I don't remember ever skipping a lot of history classes either. Uh, yeah, I mean, a good good history instructor. You know, I mean, a good history instructor who like enjoys history and makes it interesting and can can like you know fill in some of the blanks and with with cool stories and just kind of I don't know maybe bring it to life. You know, that, that's because um, I hated history in high school. Yeah, you know, because our high school history instructors, you know, that I had were just kind of okay. You know, remember what happened on this date, right? And you know, and it was all about that. It was, it was just memorizing dates and what happened, and not really much on any of the you know making it seem like a you know real human thing. You know, where um, you know, when I got to college, you know, this instructor didn't like shit, man. I would have totally dug history if it had been like this all the time. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, I think, um, yeah, high school uh, history is just so generic. And then when you get into college, it's way better. And it's kind of the opposite, yeah. I think, with. Um, with some of the sciences, you know, like science in high school, I thought was way more interesting than when you get and you have to do like yeah. chemistry one hundred and one. You're just bored to death. Oh, gosh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, like 
I nearly failed college chemistry just because I hated the math, which you know, weird coming from an IT guy, I know. But um, I, <laughs> I didn't. Uh, everybody always associates IT with math, and like, I mean, in I've been in I've been in the IT world now for like thirty years, and in thirty years of computer programming, I've never used more than basic algebra. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's like basic algebra and statistics. Your base level statistics, mean, median, mode, that sort of thing. That's all I've ever used in 30 some odd years. So <laughs> you know, I don't know why they, oh, it's it's math intensive. Oh, sure, it's not. Uh, are you it's saying, logic intensive. Are you saying um, you, you might need better math skills to figure out what's on a bar sometimes? <laughs> yeah. See, that, that's the thing. I can, I can add in 45. It's just great. Actually, you know, uh, the Arnold has gotten me pretty good with kilos, too. <laughs> like if I ever want to go into selling drugs, I'm, I've got the kilo conversion down pretty well. I, 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 I could probably sell a shit out of some cocaine now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> just just don't test the product. That's really not good when you're over 300 pounds. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, so speaking of body weight, um, <clears throat> so you've kind of been everywhere from 120 to, to what, 320 now? Or more, yeah, yeah. yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been as high as uh, three fifty, which on a five foot eight guy is really not good. <laughs> uh, that was yeah, three fifty was bad. Um, I'm, I'm most comfortable right around three twenty, okay, because you know, I feel I can still move, I can still tie my shoes, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I don't, um, but yeah, much, much over three twenty, and I start getting past, you know, like. You know, into the yeah, really sloppy, horrible fat zone. Okay, and that's that's kind of why I brought that up was, um, you know, uh, being over three hundred pounds for a lot of people, it's it's detrimental. Um, <laughs> and and you know, there's there's all kinds of uh, health issues, but then you know, most of us aren't doing strongman for our health, so that's, that's, that, right. yeah, that's true. <laughs> so that falls on the back burner. But, <laughs> But it's things like tying your shoes and those convenience um, kind of things. And, and I try to tell my people this all the time, you know, um, like there's a certain point where it's going to suck. <laughs> yeah, my, mine's the uh, being able to wipe my own ass easily point. That's when I start, you know, when it starts getting difficult to wipe my ass and I've got to like use a, a back scratcher to put uh, toilet paper on it to reach it. That's, <laughs> that's, that's when I draw the line. And uh, yeah, right around right around three thirty, three thirty five is when I'm like, you know, starting to have to do rotation stretches before I can reach my ass. So So when when I keep it around three twenty, I'm fine. When will <laughs> when will the um, Chris Vaccio super heavyweight uh, ass wiper nine thousand be available on the yeah. market? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what, you know, I mean. That's I, I actually you know they're for there for a while. I thought about getting one of those, but uh, the um, I can't remember what they call them the the tushy sticks or something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they, they actually make those. Apparently, that's a big problem with a lot of people. Oh uh, yeah, I was I was know. unaware of this. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Somebody mentioned it to me. I, yeah, I thought they were joking. They were like, "Oh yeah, you can get one of those sticks, but if you reach your ass, I'm going, okay, yeah, right." And then I went and looked it up. I'm like, "Oh damn, that's actually a thing." And there's like fifty models of it. <laughs> so apparently there are a lot of people out there that can't reach their own ass and 
I uh, I did not like being in that number. So. <laughs> well, I, I know who my next podcast guest will be. It's whoever invented the tushy stick because I need to know more about this. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man. Like it's a funny story, I guess, with sumo wrestlers. So uh, you know, over in Japan, apparently those guys actually hire hire people, and it's like an honored job to have to wipe some 450 pound dude that which um, the Japanese have a strange sense of honor in my opinion <laughs> because I, I don't think I would feel particularly honored but you know whatever <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I actually, yeah, so, so yeah over there it's like an actual job you can do when, when I, I think first... yeah. <laughs> so if you ever think your job sucks you could be a small person in Japan who has to wipe some giant motherfucker's ass <laughs> <laughs> uh, well actually when I first got into sumo um, I was training with a pro sumo guy uh, a couple times and um, he was telling me that um, and this just verifies what you said he was telling me that <clears throat> when they have the sumo houses there and like it's kind of like a stable, like an old school, um, kind of like wrestling stable, and, and those guys go there and they only train there or whatever. Well, the right. new the new guys, <clears throat> any new guys come in, um, you know, and they're smaller. They have to do all the house chores, so so they, they clean the house, they do all that, they actually make the food, and the senior the senior wrestlers get to eat first, and then they eat what's left, and uh, <clears throat> you know, and that's kind of how you work your way up, but. Apparently, it's also their job to wipe the asses of the larger, older uh, rikishi. Yeah, oh, <laughs> so, so that's kind of how you, uh, I guess, you kind of earn your, your your way. I guess that's yeah, that's incentive to get better. Yes, yes. <laughs> I want to move up the ranks so I have somebody wiping my ass so <laughs> anywhere around. I wiped one ass and became world champion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, speaking of health uh, issues and things, um, <clears throat> so anytime you're well, anytime you're lifting weights, there's obviously risks. And then uh, yeah. we're, we're in a, a, a weight a weight race. <laughs> you know, everybody wants to get bigger. Uh, bigger uh, usually will equate to stronger, but not always. Um, right. And uh, we saw a post the other day that you put up about joint stuff, joint uh, health and everything. Um, I was wondering if I could pick your brain um, about that because I don't think there's a strong man out there that doesn't have an achy joint somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, and and I, um, yeah, I I chose my parents poorly as far from an arthritis standpoint, apparently. At least that's what one of my doctors told me. (laughs) When he looked at my knees and stuff like that, he's like, yeah, he goes, you would have, he goes, you'd need knee replacements like a good 10, 15 years before anybody, no matter what I was going to do. He's like, you you just have shit genetics for for knees and for arthritis. And, um, which was great to hear from a doctor. Uh, but uh, the um, and so it's been a, it's been a battle for me, and it started. Um, yeah, my knee issue started back in my twenties. Uh, back in college, I blew my uh, blew my left ACL, um, largely because I was an idiot. Um, but I I got this bright idea to go and wrestle again at a at a pretty big tournament here in Ohio. After, you know, I, I went back and I was doing some assistant coaching and 
you know, my, the dynamics had changed a little bit because I was you know, in the mid 200s rather than back in one, you know, the one sixties. And so I still wrestled like I was a little guy, but had much more size and strength. So I, in my brain, I equated to, you know, I was going to have some, you know, one more go around to wrestling glory and, uh, blew my knee trying to do that. <laughs> so that was a second. Great there for a minute. So that I mean, was the second guy, blowout? Yeah, the guy was up against had never seen a high crotch before, so <laughs> I scored like, you know, a bunch of points on him real quick, but then he got a hold of my leg, left knee blew out, and a match, and I lost. <laughs> and and that was the second time that knee had blown out? No, actually, no, that was my first uh, first tear. Okay. And then uh, after, you know, that, so that was back when I was 21, and uh, that just kind of started me down the road of, you know, degenerating knees. Okay. Um, then my knees have never been great anyway. Um, I had—I can't remember the name of the condition, but I had some kind of weird condition that every time I had a growth spurt, I was in excruciating pain. Oh, yeah. And I remember it was like the end of every wrestling season because, you know, I started during wrestling season, so I didn't grow. And then when I started eating again, my body's like, oh, we can grow now. And every, every growth spurt that I got in the post-wrestling season, oh, man, I had to wear uh, knee, uh, I had to wear knee sleeves and knee wraps and stuff like that the school would just walk because uh, my knees were killing me oh, so wow. it's uh, it's been a long uh, long journey for me as far as knee problems and so yeah I've I've gone I've, I've tried to leave no stone unturned to, to basically keep myself being able to compete to keep lifting um, the, the most basic of that is uh, squatting um, if you want to keep your knees reasonably healthy, squat heavy. Um, you know, that was uh, one of the doctors told me that. Uh, same one told me my knees were all screwed up. You know, they chose my parents poorly. He, he's like, you know, looking at the state of your knees, he goes, basically, it's your leg strength that's keeping you um, upright. He said, if anything compromises your leg strength, you're screwed. And, um, and that was his exact word. You know, he's like, yeah, if anything compromises your leg strength, you're screwed. Because it's the strength of your, you know, the musculature around it that's basically supporting you. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, squat heavy uh, for knee health. Um, there's some semblance thereof. But, um, yeah, the, um, I've tried, you know, I've tried a zillion different things, legal and not. <laughs> legal and questionably legal. <laughs> um, just, uh, yeah, because, I mean, when you're, when you're in that much, when you're in that much pain, um, honestly, you're just going to try whatever the hell you can to right. uh, see what you can do, see if you can if make a difference. Um, there's so many different things. Um, so yeah, I've I've tried a ton of different things. Um, stem cells have probably been the best thing, even though they're expensive as hell. Um, the stem cells have really been a game changer for me for the last year. Um, I got them done last July, and I've got better mobility and stability and less pain than I've had in probably the last 10 years. So that, that's been really awesome. Now, when, when you did the yep. stem cells, um, did you just do that, uh, in the knees? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Here's the two knees. Um, it was, I mean, and prices very widely, um, both just the region that you're in and the doctor. I mean, the first people that I talked to, they wanted about $11,000, to do both knees. Um, and then they were like, oh, but we can give you a discount and knock it down to like 10. I 
actually, I think their initial price was around thirteen, and they would knock it down to like nine ninety five hundred. Um, so I did a little shopping around, found another one that would do it for seven thousand. So um, both needs. Which I mean, yeah, I took took out a loan to make sure I could get it done. So I mean, I'm still paying two hundred bucks a month for my knees, and honestly, I write that check with a smile right now. Um, so I'm I'm pretty happy I did it, but. Uh, you know the uh, shit. I've spent I've spent more more money than that in a, in any given month for stuff that didn't work. So hey, two hundred bucks a month out the door for you know my knees not going to be in excruciating pain. It's, I'm I'm calling it a bargain. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, what about uh, did you try any <clears throat> PRP or anything like that? Uh, no, I never did get the PRP done. Uh, I went in to try to get it done once. And the doctor, doctor based on an X-ray of one knee, told me I needed both knees replaced. Oh wow! And wouldn't and wouldn't do the PRP. Uh, that was seven, about seven years ago, six or seven years ago. But he told me that. I that's why I went to another doctor, and he's like, "Eh, hey, you are going to need them eventually, because you're going to need them sooner than most people would." He goes, "But." Um, you don't need them right now. He goes, you probably, you know, he said, you know, probably, you know, five to 10 years, I was going to need them. And, uh, did some rehab and that helped and a few other odds and ends that helped. And, um, then got the stem cells done and been doing pretty good. So I'm hoping to stay, I want to stave it off as long as possible and, you know, uh, because I like doing this stuff too much. <laughs> and your, your issue is probably is mostly, uh, like osteoarthritis type and, and probably scar tissue type stuff. Yeah, that um, I've got my right knee is really a mess um, because I tore I tore the ACL in that, and then I tore the replacement ACL in it. Somewhere along the way, my medial meniscus dissolved, um, which was really funny when I went to the doctor that one um, <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, you know, doctor comes in with the X rays and he's laughing. And I'm like, okay, what's up? And he's like, oh, you see all these little white dots in here? Yeah. He's like, oh, that used to be your medial meniscus as far as I could tell. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so he said, it dissolved. He goes, you, so you you don't have a meniscus and you haven't had one for a little while. I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, uh, get up and walk to the door, would you? And I did that. He's like, hey, you shouldn't be able to do that, Teddy. So, yeah, so right, right knee, I've got no ACL. I've got no medial meniscus. Um, so you still, knee, you still don't have an left ACL? Knee, still have my ACL attack from the left, the left knee. Oh, that okay. that uh, replacement surgery worked great. It's still nice and strong. I did tear the PCL somewhere along the way. <clears throat> nah, who needs but, it? Uh, <laughs> who needs it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's why you got. Yeah, that's why you got multiple stuff in your you know, multiple ligaments. You yeah. tear one of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought about getting the right ACL replaced, but the doctor's like, "Hey, get as much trauma as you've had in that knee. I don't know if it take." And, uh, it could, and plus, you know, the fact that you would have to rest the knee for a while would degrade your strength, and that probably isn't going to do you any favors. So it was the same one that told me about the knee, you know, the leg strength. Yeah, He's yeah. like, yeah, just the time off that you'd have to take after getting the ACL replaced probably would be a bad thing. That's cool. Plus, they'd have to do it. They would have had to have done it differently because I'd already had one replacement. So, like, where they would normally go in a drill wasn't available anymore because it already had a hole in it yeah that's 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 cool um yeah a lot of guys have knee issues um 
I've, I've been pretty lucky myself. I have a little arthritis, they've said, and I've, I've blown. I'm pretty sure my left uh, LCL is non-existent. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but who needs it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, you don't need lateral. Just move in a straight line. You'll be fine. Um, who needs lateral stability? <laughs> another thing that a lot of guys end up with uh, and have tr- trouble with their tendons um, yes, I know I've been plagued with bicep tendonitis, and um, and, and guys tear that. I've torn a bicep. Guys tear their biceps a lot. Um, in your your journey for answers, have you come up with anything for tendon uh, help? Uh, so the tendon. I mean, one. I mean, obviously, just for as far as uh, um, the uh, the hyaluronic acid. Um, I play again now. It's probably the most popular supplement out there. There are other other places to get it. Um, that stuff tends to help a little bit as far as kind of lubricates the joint, but it helps uh, provide a little bit of elasticity for the um, tendons. And uh, honestly, um, certain steroids, uh, you know, for guys that are going that route, avoid uh, like. Uh, Winstrel. Uh, I don't know why anybody who actually has to move would ever take that, um, because it it has a very pronounced um, ligament and tendon brittle. Yeah, it makes it brittle, um, and uh, it's a well known problem. And I I still I see you know I know a number of strong men that for whatever reason they still use the shit and invariably wind up tearing something. You know, and it's you know tendon tears and stuff like that so i mean yeah if, you, if you're going to go with some of the drugs avoid avoid ones that are well known for fucking up enemies like one um the uh but um or some of the other i know the, the hyaluronic acid helps um just your training uh as far as um payment, you know Pay attention to uh, strength. You know, do stuff that's going to uh, like um, oh the uh, uh, some of the isometric things mm-hmm. can help strengthen your ligaments and tendons without um, without muscle change or without not muscle change. You don't change the length of the muscle, right? You know, so you're not putting a ton of strain necessarily on them enough to help strengthen them a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah, because. Uh, Funny story on that. I tore my um, uh, uh, my right ulna. I tore tore the end off of it. Uh, try, being a dumbass, uh, most of my injuries result from be, either being a dumbass or trying to walk into my house. Uh, the two things that seem to hurt. I um, yeah, like uh, people in the medical community. You know, uh, I got an avulsion fracture at the end of my ulna. And uh, I was trying to get a 300 pound log press for the first time. And I was hitting, I was like smoking 280 and with authority. So I felt it was just a matter of, you know, mind over matter to finally get to that 300 point, 300 pound point. And um, so I got the bright idea to max out every week for four weeks. Well, there you go. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was smart. And then, uh, yeah, so on week number four, um, tore the end of my own off and it was funny because the doctor was just like wow I've never seen this before which an avulsion fracture on the ulna is super super rare and um, but basically my triceps tendon was so strong and the muscle itself was so strong that the bone is the one that lost 
Um, so <clears throat> the endomyomas snapped rather than me tearing a triceps muscle or the tendon. There's like a 10% tear in the tendon, and then the bone snapped off. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and a lot of that was just from uh, training in such a way that, you know, the, you know, try not basically won't go, don't train, you know, like so many guys try and jump up way too fast. Um, and um, the, uh, um, the back guy, McGill, Stuart McGill, he, he talks about that, not necessarily, you know, he talks about how when you train heavy and it, it puts a strain on the bone and it puts a strain on the ligaments and the tendons, there's a certain period of time, where, you know, it's like you need like three, four days in between bouts at a minimum in order to give the bone um, a chance to heal up and rebuild from the strain that you put on and so basically you know training was one uh, for yeah. you know and that and it's a tough thing for strength athletes because we're always wanting to move up we're always wanting to do more weight and you know we're always wanting to jump to that next uh, that next plateau but um, you know as they, as people keep saying trust the process and you know train heavy but give your body enough time to adapt in between and too many people they're trying to beat themselves into the ground and and uh, wind up tearing stuff. Yeah, for sure. I think um, yeah, I think one of the curses of uh, of uh, strength training and strongman and stuff is is it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it is. Yeah. So and, I mean, I, and it's a whole lot more fun when you're not broken. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but the problem is you go into the gym and and then. And you want to compete every time you're in the gym, and you want to, yeah. And um, you know, your risk of injury is higher in competition than in, at least should be higher in competition. In the it should be, yeah. And, it should um, be, and that's that's where people get so screwed up with that. They they get their thinking so skewed. It's like, yeah, you know, they they feel like they got to kill it in the you know the, the whole yeah, I got to kill it in the gym mentality. It's like when you're training in the gym. Your objective is to get stronger and to get better, not to kill yourself, not to break yourself. Right. And, you know, so, like, I mean, I almost never do max lift in training, very rarely anymore. I mean, I'll do, if I do a max lift in training, it's like once every three to four months at most. Right. And, and, and if I do it, it's just going to be to try and set a benchmark for my for my other training and I probably and I'm and I don't I don't think I ever go to a like a full limit complete balls to the walls you know max out in training because there's no point right um, you know I need I need to know roughly where I am you know at a, at a particular point to just try and plan my training you know for the next six eight weeks but I don't need to break myself I don't need to you know, I don't need to max out repeatedly, you know, and um, that's where, uh, yeah, it's like the whole idea is to get better and to get stronger, not necessarily to kill yourself. Say that for the platform. Yeah, so. Yeah, I think, and, and there's so many people out there, and this is something I have to fight my people with all the time they, when they first sign up. It's just a battle. It's always a war, like, slow it down, leave one in the tank, you know, like, Hey, and and then there, well, I want to know how much I got to know how much I can do. I I just want to know. I gotta, I gotta know. And it's like, well, you'll know in, you know, December at your competition or you'll know, you know, you'll 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 know know on competition day and you'll know, I mean, and 
and, and over time you'll figure you know, it's like you've got to you've got to you've got to push your limits sure but you don't you don't have to push past your limits completely every single training session it's right. like you know you've got it you've got an objective it's like okay i want to get this particular stimulus i want to reach this point in this training session so that's my goal right and anything over and above that's probably going to be detrimental oh yeah for sure yeah and i think it's it's funny too because you can go um you can google rep max calculator (laughs) yeah yeah so i mean i was i actually have a you know being being a computer geek i actually have a spreadsheet for it yeah Um, so i can i can punch in numbers and say oh okay you know what i did that from 15 reps and I actually just did that today um, because I was trying to figure out what my hypothetical max was based on my last pressing session. Just because I had, I had one of those unicorn sessions, I was you know my my program plan was to hit three sets of eight, and everything felt so light that on the last set I'm just like I'm just going to wrap out. Ended up hitting thirteen. Oh, nice for what? Yeah, oh, it was great. I was like, yeah, and I, you know, I went out and did my you know rep count based on that, and I'm like. Wow. Okay. It's like yeah. Said my theoretical max was going to be like four eighty five on that particular lift, and I'm like, hmm, I wish. Cool. Pretty sure that's not the actually the case, but. <laughs> well, I think the higher the reps on those things, it does get a little skewed. Yeah, um, yeah, it does. But yeah, but, I mean, it was nice to see that. It was like, oh wow, four eighty. Yeah, okay. and yeah. I think not, not, that, not that I'm foolish enough to think that I, not that I'm going to turn around and base the rest of my training on that unicorn day. Uh, right. And <clears throat> I'll hold the course and hey, okay, if my if my heavier you know if my heavier sessions in the in my training plan also goes super easy, then yeah, I'll bump my numbers up for the next round. But uh, I think <laughs> um, one of one of the problems with this mentality is. So when you look, well, anybody I've had on the podcast, I mean, they all pretty much agree, you know, you shouldn't be maxing out all the time. Um, and then yeah. when you go on YouTube or Instagram or whatever you choose to watch and you watch the top people, like, I don't know that I've ever seen like Big Z grind out a lift on his Instagram. <laughs> yeah, no, no. You know? no, I mean, it's, yeah, and that's the thing. You look at the best guys in the world, they're not going out and killing them. You know, they're, they're using training to get better. You know, they're not going to, you know, like you said, Z doesn't grind out reps in his training on his Instagram. Um, Brian Shaw doesn't. Um, None of uh, I've never seen Lisa Studio. It's like these guys, they do what they need to do to get better. I mean, they have a plan about how they're going to get better. They follow that plan. They do what they need to do to get better. They're still pushing their boundaries, but they're not necessarily, you know, they're not trying to kill themselves in training. They want to be healthy, you know, to you know, if they're going to break something, they're going to break it, uh, you know, on the platform. Right. Yeah. You know, rather than, uh, you know, slaughtering themselves in the gym. But I think, I think one of the issues, however, <clears throat> is there are these, uh, intermediate level, <clears throat> intermediate level guys that, yeah. and, and, you know, they probably got there for whatever reason, maybe they did train, correctly at one point or genetics or whatever the case is and and they get to this intermediate level and there's more intermediates than advanced obviously oh yeah by far and and the people that are starting out are closer to the intermediate so it's it's more relatable yeah and, and they see them you know <laughs> my favorite my favorite of all time is you go on instagram and 
you see them post speed deadlifts and they're grinding it at, you know, it's yeah. like, well, that wasn't fast at all. <laughs> oh, but you see them yeah. doing that stuff and then they think it's okay to do that because there's more of them. They're more in their face. It's more relatable. And, uh, and yeah. that's what they think they they have to do, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, being, being able to filter the bullshit is a valuable skill. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, yeah. For sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That, that, that's another one that kills me though. Yeah. It's like, uh, speed deadlift. Oh yeah. It only took you like eight seconds to lock that out. <laughs> Very fast. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, and, and that, that's another thing I train a lot that I, that I, I kind of have a mental, I guess a good mental feel for is uh, bar speed. Yeah. So, you know, it's like when things start getting slow, when I start grinding reps instead of popping them out quickly, you know, particularly depending on what rep range I'm in, I'm like, eh, okay, maybe I need to lower the weights. Maybe I need to just pack it up for the day. And, uh, yeah, now that's the, those, a lot of those lifters, they're, um, one, they, that's the other bad thing too. It's like, you know, yeah, okay, so this dipshit goes and does his speed deadlift with, uh, you know, his one rep max and, um, you know, grinds out a eight second speed goal. And, uh, and these people are comparing their own list to that. And they're like, oh man, you know, I don't do my speed work with, you know, 375 pounds. Like, yeah, well, neither does he. But, you know, they, they don't have that bullshit sensor to, to realize this guy being an idiot. Yeah, and so they they compare they compare their weakness to this other guy's strengths, and you know feel that they've got to go out and do something stupid too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, that's that's one, of the, that's one of the areas where I I think a coach can be helpful because um, I'm not a huge fan of internet coaches. I mean, there are good ones, but there are far more I'm, shitty ones than there are good ones. Chris, I'm not here. <laughs> So I'm standing right here, Chris. <laughs> I'm happy. You, you, you are. I, you know, you are one of the better ones. I will say that. Um, but um, yeah, I, but the uh, no. I mean, but you know, you've seen yeah. so many bad coaches out there. That's one area where I, I'm, I'm an unusual person in the fact that I can be bluntly honest with myself. You know, I'm. I don't bullshit myself as far as what I'm good at or what I'm not good at. Right. Um, in fact, if anything, I'm probably a little bit more unforgiving to myself than I should be. I should probably give myself a little bit more credit sometimes, but I don't. Um, but the um, a lot of people are really, really good at deluding themselves, and that's where you know if if you're not one of those people that can be bluntly honest with yourself about where you are and where you need to go and how to get there. Um, a coach is invaluable to rein them in, to say, okay, you know what? Yeah, I know you saw this guy pull 475 pounds for his speed rep, but you're not there. So let's just go ahead and keep you at 275 and actually do speed reps. Eventually you'll get there, but trust the process. Right. And that's, uh, yeah, the coach, a coach can be very valuable in that to, to rein people in because, you know, not a lot of one people don't educate themselves enough, I think, and two, then they don't um, 
you know, they're not honest with themselves either. You know? Yeah, for it's sure. It's like, they, you know, you, I don't see somebody who's built like me, you know, like, okay, me and Grant Heath, we're damn near clones. I don't see him go and hit a big deadlift and then think, oh, well, shit, I can do the exact same thing. Okay. I know I'm built like him. I know I could probably adjust my technique a little bit. And then maybe, you know, if he's outstripping me by like 150, 200 pounds, I need to work my ass off because I shouldn't be that far behind it. Right. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I, I don't delude myself and think, oh, well, you know, if he could do that, I should be able to do 50 pounds more. Because right. he and I are both the same, and I'm, I have a beard. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's the difference. That's the key difference there. It is. You know, key, good, good beard adds 50 pounds to every lift. Let's change gears a little bit. Uh, we have, you have um, shows coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the, yeah, first, sure. the first one is um, Static Monsters, is that right? Yep, yeah, yeah. okay. Static Monsters on October 26th. I'm running that in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, we're actually having a big, um, there's a big festival going on. So a uh, big horse festival. They're going to have a powerlifting, uh, Olympic lifting. Might even be a CrossFit thing going on like the day before. So um, they're uh, putting on some, it's a pretty cool show. It's going to be out at Wright State University at uh, the Nutter Center, which is just a great fucking name for their venue. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, so it, I, I love the Static Monsters uh, because it's a, uh, yeah, um, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's, you know, that weekend all around the world there's like 50 some odd contests right now and everybody's doing the same two lifts on as close to um, standardized equipment as can be I mean there are rules there are rules that dictate what it, you know, what you can do so you've got a max log and then you've got an 18 inch axle deadlift are the two main lifts for static monsters I've got a couple additional lifts added in to uh, make it UFS sanctioned and uh, so it can still be a qualifier for nationals for 2020. But um, but the base lifts are just the max log and the max 18-inch actual deadlift. And, uh, you know, it, it's cool. I I think it's neat just that, you know, we've got so many people around the world on the same weekend all doing the same lifts, you know. And then uh, I thought it was a cool concept for the first time it, the guy came up with it. It's grown well. Yeah, very cool. So, uh, I'm actually running the world championships for it next year. Oh, so, nice. There you yeah, go. That's, uh, there you yep. go. Yeah, that's going to be fun. <laughs> so after Static Monsters, just um, what? Not very long after you have another. Yeah, like two, yeah, like two weeks because I'm an idiot. Um, I'm running another contest out in uh, Lancaster, Ohio, uh, and that's uh, lift up our veterans Veterans Day weekend competition. All the proceeds from that show are going to uh, Honor Flight Columbus, which is a super cool charity. Um, they collect money to take um, disabled vets out to see the memorials for the wars that they fought in. Oh wow! So uh, I did that. I did that show two years ago, I think, and uh, we raised enough money to send um, two or two or three guys out to see the uh, Vietnam uh, memorial. Oh, you know, cool. we're uh, you know we're able to you know because they, they they get the special uh, you know the handicapped accessible. Uh, equipment to take them out to where they need to go and uh you know, try, you know uh, handicap buses and you know, so they can transport them out there and uh, yeah. it's really cool that's a neat cool, charity dude. yeah i think a lot of people don't realize um you know these guys are, are older they're banged up and stuff like like oh, yeah. 
yeah. more more so than even the the strong man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, an, an IED will do a lot more damage to you than a yoke. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So and uh, yeah, so it takes a little bit to get to get those guys out there. So that's pretty cool that yeah. uh, that they uh, they they set that up, organize it, pay for it, whatever. So that's cool. Very cool. Um, well, we're about out of time. Um, man, that hour went by fast, and uh, <laughs> I would love to have you back on maybe um, later on in the year, or, or maybe at the beginning yeah, of next year, so um, we can uh, we can link up. And you'll be down here in West Virginia in uh, in a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next weekend, yep. <clears throat> it's your brother show. Yeah, I'll hopefully, be there. Hopefully, um, setting up the ma- hopefully setting the master's world record a little bit higher. Uh, you already hold that, right? Yeah, I already did. Yeah, yeah. I looked I at the list I'm, yesterday. I'm sad it was only 296. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a beast of a log. So <laughs> it, it is. It is. Um, I'll be. Uh, I'm looking for. I've, I've been working on my push press, and actually like doing one. Okay. And uh, been, been focusing on it really hard for the last. Well, you know, you you know, I'm like strict presses. Yeah, like the strictest of strict presses, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I mean, I don't know they ought to rename it the Vashio Press, as strict as I do it. Yeah, the, the military press is <laughs> no, now no leg whatsoever. <laughs> but uh, so uh, I'll be curious to see how uh, this will be my first uh, first time taking the push press out of the garage on a real log. Very some, cool. Some real weights other than just technique practice. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, hell yeah! Well, I'm looking forward to it. Um, we'll see you there. Um, I want to thank you again. Like I said, we'll definitely have you back on. We have a lot more to. Uh, talk about um you've been in the game i think longer than me and uh that's saying something so we'll get back on and uh and and talk about it um but i've had a blast uh this has been john the viking mauser chris vaccio get strong or die <laughs>